Hi there everybody, I hope you're doing well today. It's good to be with you wherever you're watching this from. Uh, so please can be with you. And I wonder how you are doing uh, during this strange COVID time. I wonder if actually it has shifted some of your priorities. Maybe you've looked at life differently. Maybe you've been working from home. Uh, maybe you uh, a health professional and are looking at, uh, at life differently as you work in hospitals. Uh, whatever it is, I guess that maybe our priorities have shifted. Maybe you've thought we need, realize we need more family time in our lives. Uh, all sorts of things could have shifted over this COVID time. And priorities is what I want us to think about today. What are our priorities? And I believe that as we look at the next I am saying, as we continue with this series, looking at Jesus' sayings about himself, I believe it's going to shape your priorities. Last week, Sandra did such a great job as she looked at Jesus being the good shepherd. And today I'm looking at Jesus being the resurrection and the life. And so we'll read just a few verses in John 11 verses 25 and 26. It says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Well, I don't know about you, but maybe that's a bit confusing uh, as you think about it. So if I believe in Jesus, uh, I will live even if I die. Uh, and if I live by believing in Jesus, then I will never die. How does this all fit together? I think Martha must have been a most incredible woman because when Jesus says to her, do you believe this? She says, yes. I think I would have still been scratching my head and trying to work out what on earth he'd said. So I want us to look at actually what are two statements that Jesus makes. Look at that and then we'll look at the whole story uh, that it fits into and then draw some conclusions. And so the two statements that Jesus is making here is actually he says, I am the resurrection and he says, I am the life. Two components Put together and we see that they are two pieces because the following sentences they each explain the two components so he says first that he is the resurrection and that is explained by the next sentence that says the one who believes in me will live even though they die so even though we die if we believe in Jesus we can believe in a resurrection after death. It's something that societies uh, for centuries have asked the question, what is after death? What happens? And actually by believing in Jesus, we can know that there is a resurrection after we die. Actually, for that to be true, when Jesus said this, he hadn't yet gone to the cross, which was going to change the landscape completely. Because as he went to the cross, as he died on the cross, and as he rose again on the third day, he defeated death. And as he defeated death by rising again, he made a way possible for us all to know resurrection after death. Satan at that time, when Jesus died on the cross, must have thought, yes, I've won, it's victory. 
uh, Jesus is defeated. But actually then, three days later, as he rose again, the tables were turned and we find victory over Satan. We find victory over death as Jesus rose again. So we know that because of his victory over sin and death, we, by believing in him, can have hope of resurrection after our own death. The second component that we saw was that Jesus is the life. And he explains that in the sentence following when he says, Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And the Bible teaches that we are actually dead when we are born. We are dead until we are born again. It's only by believing and submitting to Jesus, being born again, that we come to life. In speaking of this new life in Christ, Ephesians 2 says that we were dead in our transgressions and sins until Christ made us alive. You see, by nature, we are dead. However, once we've been born again, then we are alive forevermore. Our physical death is in reality nothing more than a change of clothes as we continue living. It's nothing more than a change of clothes as we continue living. Romans 5 says that we are raised up with Christ. 1 Peter 1.23 says that we have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed. And Christ is the first fruits of our glorious resurrection. And what this means is that since Christ was raised through union with him, we are guaranteed to be raised. And Jesus actually gives us the promise of the continuity of personal existence. R.C. Sproul in his book says this, he says, the day that your body dies is not the day that you die. That is the day you become more conscious of reality than you have ever been. I don't know about you, but that shifts so much in my mind as I, as I think of this. Just think of that. Just pause for a moment and think that Jesus has promised and confirms our continuity of personal existence. You are guaranteed that your personal existence will continue. And as Sproul says, he says, the day we die is the day you become more conscious of reality than you have ever been. That makes me think about death in a whole new light. The day I die is actually the day I'm going to be more conscious of reality and more conscious actually of life than I ever am while I live here. That is quite incredible. Let's have a look at the story and the context that Jesus made the statement in, because he actually made the statement as he was in the midst of an acted parable of his life-giving power. He wasn't just telling a story, but he actually acted out a parable, the story of uh, confirming that he is both the resurrection and the life. Jesus was very close to this family that we read about here in John. Uh, there are three siblings, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and he was, he was close to this family. And Jesus was, uh, gets word 
that Lazarus is sick. And uh, he's some way away from where uh, Lazarus and Mary and Martha lived, which is in Bethany. Uh, and he gets word that Lazarus is sick and he has a surprising response. He says to the disciples, we'll stay where we are for two more days. And for the disciples that were with him, they were considering actually that going to Bethany, which was just a few kilometers from Jerusalem, it's actually just across the Kidron Valley, you can see one from the other, going so close to Jerusalem was a very dangerous thing to do. The chief priests, they were ready to uh, take Jesus into prison to get hold of him and uh, the disciples. So the disciples are really concerned about going so close to Jerusalem. But that doesn't seem to um, concern Jesus at all. But yet still he waits these couple of days and he says to his disciples, Lazarus, has fallen asleep and they misunderstand. They think he means he's just sleeping. So he confirms that no, actually Lazarus is dead. And then they head off uh, to Bethany, which is another two days uh, trip to get there. When they get to Bethany, Martha hears that Jesus and his disciples have arrived and she goes out uh, to meet them. And when she gets there, uh, it's confirmed that Lazarus has actually been dead four days. And actually the four-day thing is interesting because the Jews of that day believed that the soul of the dead person kind of waited around the dead body for three days after they had died. And then as the body started to decompose, the soul left. And so you could say that Lazarus was dead, dead. He was definitely dead. The Jews uh, would have understood that, the significance of Jesus only getting there four days after. And Jesus really is setting this up for an incredible miracle. And when Martha comes to Jesus, uh, she meets him and she expresses that she is obviously disappointed that he had not come sooner. But she still expresses faith in Jesus. And so she says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Verses 21 and 22. And God's timing isn't always our timing. But I am amazed and in awe really again of Martha's faith here that despite the fact that she is mourning the loss of her brother and wishes Jesus had been there. She continues to express faith in Jesus. And we need to be like that. We need to be a people that despite the fact that God's timing isn't necessarily our timing, we continue to express faith in him. And Jesus responds to her and says, your brother will rise again. Martha answers, verse 24, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And that was a commonly held belief of the Jews. There were two parties, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the Pharisees believed in a resurrection. The Sadducees uh, did not. That's why they were sad, you see. I'm sorry, I couldn't resist it. A terrible joke, I know. But I couldn't resist but the Pharisees, they believed in a resurrection and Martha obviously believed in that. So Martha partly understood 
but she, what Jesus was saying, but she obviously missed the now part of what Jesus was saying. So Jesus then expresses uh, this verse that we've been looking at, that he is the resurrection and the life. And I think one of the things he wanted to do here was actually divert Martha's focus from an abstract belief in what takes place after you die and on the last day to a personalized belief in him who alone can provide this. It's so important for us to think about this because so often I think we can be thinking abstractly and actually Jesus always brings us into personal belief. We can believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We can believe and know that he does miracles. We can believe that even today in his name we can see miracles. But we need to take that from an abstract general belief and actually personalize it. And Martha's response is exactly as ours should be. Although she still seems to miss the fact that Jesus is actually physically going to raise her brother from the dead right now, she seems to miss that fact. And yet her faith response is a rich mixture of personal trust and confidence that certain things about Jesus are true. She says he is the Christ. He is the Son of God, and He is the one who was to come into the world. Is that what your response to Jesus is like? Is it a faith response that is a mixture of personal trust and confidence that who Jesus says He is, He is? I want to urge you to respond in that way today. Even as Christians, how do we keep responding to Jesus? Is it with personal trust and confidence in all that he has said. It's interesting to note in the story that there are the usual cynical doubters who are in the crowd. And some of the Jews say, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? There are always people in the crowd who are whispering cynical. They don't believe. But Martha is focused on Jesus. What a great picture. And so then we read in verses 43 and 44, it says, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. What an incredible, awesome picture that is. If we think back to creation, God created all that we know by speaking it into being. He spoke creation into life. And here, by his word, Jesus at the start of the Gospel of John is called the Word. And he is the Word that became flesh. And so here, by his word, by his word, this corpse of Lazarus is empowered to come back to life. What an amazing picture that is. Hallelujah, we serve a powerful God, the creator who speaks life. He did it at the beginning and he continues now to speak life as Jesus is the word. And this story should give us huge faith. It's such a clear demonstration that Jesus is who he says he is. That not only is he the resurrection and the life, but that he's demonstrated the truth 
of it as we see in the story. We should note that Jesus doesn't say something like, I will be the one who raises Lazarus in the last day. No, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And actually, that was a very commonplace idiomatic expression of the day when uh, people actually were called what they were associated with. They became so associated with maybe what they did or what they said that they were called that. So people would have understood that in the day and would have understood the power of what Jesus is saying. That he is saying, not only do I have the power to raise people from the dead, not only does he have the power to raise himself from the dead, but he says, I am the resurrection. It's only God, the I am, who can say that. It's only God who is the resurrection and the life. <clears throat> so this I am saying of Jesus and the story of Lazarus should impact us in a few ways. Firstly, it should leave us in awe and wonder again at whom Jesus is. That our very definition of life is actually Jesus. Jesus is the life. He is the very definition of it. And that should really get hold of us afresh and should draw us to him in worship. It should fill our hearts again with awe and wonder for whom he is, and we should be amazed again at that. Secondly, for those who have believed in Jesus Christ, we need to change our mindset and realize that actually we are alive forevermore. What assurance of salvation these verses give us. As Jesus himself says, whoever believes in me will never die. Such assurance in knowing Jesus has said that. And that should radically affect how we live. We have become an eternal people. So our priorities should not be based on just the few years that we live here on earth in these bodies. But actually our priorities need to come from the life eternal that we are going to live. We've started eternal life. It's begun actually right now and it will continue when these bodies die and we get new bodies. It will continue and that should shape our lives right now. We should be living with that in mind. It should change my priorities. Things like, do I hoard up stuff just for now, for these few years? Well, that should be totally changed because the fact is we are living for eternity. I think this has gripped me afresh this week as obviously I've been looking at this passage, but then also as um, I've been asked to perform two funerals in the next week or so. One for a guy who has lived his life uh, and in old, in old age has died. Another for a young girl in her 20s who has died. And as I've considered that and considered these verses and considered what Jesus has said, that has really affected me because if our life is just about these years, if I think of this lovely young girl that has died 
in her 20s. What a tragedy that is. We think of the distress for her family and friends, how hard that is. But if that's all life is, then where do we go from there? But if that is just a part of eternal life, what a different picture it is. It gives us huge hope, joy, in how much actually she still has to live. There is so much of life still to go on beyond the death of these bodies. We know that one of the reasons the first century Christians were willing to undergo martyrdom was because they were convinced that death did not have the final word, but was simply a transition and life continued. That affected them so radically that they were prepared to die, to be martyred for their faith because they were looking at this eternal life that they would know. Do you live in a way that matters for eternity? Do you live today devoted to Jesus, the I am that is your very life? Jesus tells us that he came, it says in John 10, 10, that he came that we may have life and have it to the full. Jesus' desire for you is to have life to the full, to know life in the full breadth of eternity. Thirdly, if you are listening to this and have never confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then I want to beg you today to consider him, to consider Jesus right now. As long as there is life and as long as there is death, there's no one more relevant than Jesus Christ because he is life. He is the resurrection. He is our one and only hope. And it may sound dramatic, but this is a matter of life and death for you. And so I want to so encourage you to ask God to come into your life. I'm going to pray a prayer in a moment. If you're watching this and you can join me in this prayer, then I want to encourage you to do that. This is a matter of life and death. So can we pray? If you have never confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then please pray this prayer with me wherever you are. It doesn't matter. Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Well, if you just prayed that prayer and you've never prayed anything like it before, then I want to encourage you to tell someone about it. So I want to encourage you to tell a Christian friend or to contact us. You'll see on the screen in a moment some contact details. We'd love to hear from you so we can encourage you in the journey that you have just begun. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for listening to me this morning. Uh, thank you for all those in Grace City Church who are with us today. Let me encourage you again. Let God rearrange your priorities in light of this word. Thank you so much.